Uh, the reading is Exodus 32, verses 7 to 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people whom you've brought up from Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people, whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out, to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn, your fierce turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Amen. Yeah, thank you so much, Ollie. It's really great to be with you, and uh, a really warm welcome again, uh, if you're new here as well in particular. My name's Matt, and I'm on the clergy team at St. Michael's, and uh, I hope it's not too distracting for you all if I sit but um, some of you may know I had um, back surgery um, recently and Sundays are sometimes challenging for me. So I'm experimenting, but hopefully I'm not going to topple over. But it's good to be with you. Should we pray? Yes, Father, we pray that you would open up your word to our hearts and our hearts to your word. And we ask that by your spirit, we would hear you speaking into our lives and that you would change us, Lord. We dare to ask you to do that. And please help me as I speak, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, uh, thank you. Very kind. Thank you very much. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're in a preaching series at the moment, looking at this whole subject of prayer. And the way we've been looking at it is um, but through different characters. So last week, I loved Andy's sermon looking at, um, uh, oh gosh, come on brain, what, who was it? Someone help me out. I, I, Isaac? Jacob, yeah, close, uh, close with Isaac, Jacob wrestling with God. Um, that really ministered to me and uh, was helpful. And I think we're in for a really great series looking at different characters um, and how they wrestled with God. Um, but I wonder though, as you think about your own prayer life, um, if you were to take an inventory of your prayer life and to maybe make a list of the things that you pray for most often, uh, what would come out on the top of that list for you? Now, my guess would be that for most of us, the items on that list would be things like our jobs, um, our friends, our family, maybe our, our mental health or a, a tricky relationship or some kind of trial we're facing, maybe. But in essence, it seems to me that a lot of my prayers anyway, and a lot of our prayers, I suspect, are often for problems that basically we want God to solve. So God, please would you resolve this situation with my family? God, please would you provide so that I can 
have enough money to pay rent maybe, or God, please would you help me uh, with this problem, with my mental health, or with a difficult colleague. Now, please hear me when I say this. Praying for our problems is a beautiful, amazing privilege that we have as Christians. We get to bring our kind of seemingly tiny, insignificant lives before the throne of God's grace, and we get to discover that not only are we heard, but that he delights to hear and to help us. That is incredible grace. However, our passage tonight is going to remind us that God himself must be the center around which all of our prayers orbit if we're going to pray in a way that is pleasing to him and in a way that is most good for us. And Moses is going to teach us tonight exactly how to do that, how to put God at the very center of our prayer life so that it deeply changes us from the inside out. Now, right off the bat, I'd, love, I'd like to say, though, that God really is a prayer hearing and a prayer answering God. Sometimes Christians can say things which sound nice and churchy, but don't actually fit with the exciting and dynamic vision of God that we get in scripture, and particularly in that reading we were just hearing. A classic one will be like, you know, well, God's going to do what God's going to do, or, um, you know, just let go and let God. And of course, there's some truth in those statements, but they can also be unhelpful, and they can sometimes obscure the power of prayer if we're not careful, because prayer is the invisible thread that moves the hand of God. It just is. And verse 14 is so clear on that, isn't it? Moses says, uh, Moses prays, and then it says, then the Lord, absolutely remarkable words when you think about it, then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. And of course, in the book of James chapter five, it reminds us, doesn't it? The prayer of a righteous person is what? A prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Prayer is not just a nice religious game. It achieves things. It does things. And prayer is so powerful. And so often, it's God's appointed means for changing things in the world. And don't allow yourself to doubt that for a second. So we get invited into this intimate and amazing partnership with God to see his kingdom come on earth. Now, in the particular reading we were just hearing, we see Moses at a critical moment in Israel's history. He's just been up Mount Sinai, receiving the Ten Commandments and the law from God. And just before Moses is about to come back down the mountain, God kind of drops the bombshell on him and says that the people of God are in an extremely bad way indeed. In verse 8, he says to Moses, they've been quick to turn away from what I commanded them, have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. Now that must have been a seriously challenging thing to hear. It said that Moses was God's friend. God used to talk to him like a friend. And he goes from that to there's a serious problem on the cards that you now need to deal with. And so in response to that earth-shattering news for Moses, we see this extraordinary exchange between him and God. So in verse 10, uh, the Lord says, now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. So this is a pretty serious situation. But because of Moses' prayers for his people, it concludes in verse 14 by saying that the Lord relented and did not bring disaster on his people. What happened? 
Well, it was Moses' prayer that moved the hand of God. No matter how desperately lost God's people appear to be, no matter how bad the situation seems to be, it's never too late for God to act and to change things. And we hear all the time, don't we, in the secular press, that um, church attendance is in decline. Less and less people are identifying as Christians. Uh, You know, biblical morality is completely being cast aside. And maybe you can see this with your own friends and your own family. It can feel quite lonely, can't it, to sort of be living for Christ um, in 21st century London. But friends, this passage is here, I believe, to give us fresh hope and faith that God can change things. And the way God invites us into the change that he wants to bring is through prayer. And what we're going to see in this passage is that Moses puts two things at the center of his prayers that are the secret of his praying power. And they are, firstly, God's actions, and secondly, God's reputation. God's actions and God's reputation. So firstly, God's actions. It says in verse 11 that uh, Moses sought the fear of the Lord his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people? And here's the bit I want to focus on with you. Whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand. So notice there, the first thing that Moses appeals to in this remarkable exchange with God is God's actions. Moses goes back to when God, God's people were enslaved in Egypt. And led by Moses, many of you may know the story, uh, led by Moses, Pharaoh reluctantly agrees to let his people go. And so, but then Pharaoh changes his mind and decides to chase God's people. And so they find themselves um, at the Red Sea with Pharaoh's armies in pursuit coming to kill them. And uh, as you may, many of you will know that God splits uh, the sea and God's people are able to go through it and escape from Pharaoh's armies. But it's to those awesome actions in history that Moses appeals um, in this incredible prayer. And he says, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt? This is the first step, I think, to prayer that moves the hand of God. It focuses on God's actions. And it's for good reason that Moses starts his prayer by focusing on God's actions. Because actions reveal who we are, don't they? If we say we love someone, for example, but we neglect them and never spend time with them or say horrible things about them... Our actions show that we don't love them, really. But the converse is also true. If you're struggling to believe that you can trust someone, it's their actions which will, I think, be most effective at challenging those doubts. The reason that I I know I can trust Nikki, my wife, is because we've been married for seven years. It's It's the same with friendship as well. You know who your friends are, I would argue, by their actions. And God loves it when his people pray to him on the basis of his actions. It absolutely delights his heart. And we get to pray, not just on the basis of something like the Exodus, we get something much more sure and awesome. We get to approach God on the basis of what he did for us on the cross. Romans 5 verse 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. That's the kind of awesome action 
we stand in when we come before God in prayer. And maybe for you, you know, you've been looking at your circumstances and kind of maybe you've been interpreting who God is to some degree by the circumstances that you're in. Maybe you thought you'd found someone who could be your spouse, but then the relationship fell through and now you feel heartbroken and wondering if you can trust God. Or maybe it's the crushing burden of your mental health and you're tempted to think, well, can I really trust God with my life given how hard I'm finding things? Or maybe it's that you've been praying for a family member for years, but they just seem to get further and further away from God. But friends, don't miss this. Prayer that moves the hand of God is not on the basis of our circumstances. It's on the basis of his actions. It's prayer on the basis of what he has done for us in Jesus Christ that we come to him. And it enables us to say, look, I, I, I might understand why I'm facing what I'm facing, but I do know that when Jesus Christ came into this world and was nailed to the cross and raised from the dead, that God was showing once for all his heart. And therefore I can place my trust in him until he makes the way forward clear for me. And maybe there's some specific moments as well in your life you can look back to where you can sort of see specifically and unmistakably and the Lord is saying, hey, actually, don't forget those moments. Remember those moments so that when you do struggle to trace God's hand in your circumstances, there's an anchor point that you can fall back on to call you back to it. You know, it might, maybe for you it's at a particular conference and having a special sense of God's presence there or a particular time uh, in nature, up a mountain maybe or something like that. Or when you were in an impossible situation and the Lord rescued you. But whatever it is, the point is that we let God's actions inform how we pray. We don't let our circumstances set the tone. That's not how the life of faith works. Now, just imagine Moses' situation here, though. I mean, he's had this awesome encounter with God on Mount Sinai. It says that God spoke to him like a friend And what comes right after that mountaintop experience, complete moral and spiritual collapse of God's people who are now worshipping a golden calf and it's basically complete chaos. Can you imagine how tempting it must have been for Moses to just throw up his hands and to say this situation is too dark, too broken for God to do anything? But it's quite remarkable, Moses' faith, isn't it? No, what does it say? It says, verse 11, but Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. And Moses did that first and foremost by calling to mind and holding before God God's action, by bringing before God what he'd already done in the past. So prayer that really moves the hand of God is prayer on the basis of God's actions. But it's also more than that. It's also about prayer on the basis of God's reputation. So in verse 12, he says, why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger, relent and do not bring disaster on your people. The second thing 
that we see Moses appealing to in his bargaining and wrestling with God is God's own glory and reputation. And I think this is why Moses' prayers are so effective and powerful. It's like he says, God, if you do this, your own reputation's at stake. And people will think completely horrendous things about you that are simply not true. And Moses shows that prayer that moves God to act is anxious for God's glory first and foremost, is jealous for God's reputation. It's a bit like, have you ever spoken with someone and all they ever did was talk about themselves? It's a really awkward experience, isn't it? Where you think, do they know? Can they tell that all they're doing is talking about themselves? But it's so tragic, isn't it? Not least because there's so much joy to be had in having your attention off yourself and enjoying what's going on in someone else's life. And so often self-obsessed people are deeply unhappy, aren't they? And no wonder. But when it comes to prayer, so often our prayers are basically about us. And I include myself in this, we're self-obsessed. Uh, God is basically a means to our own self-fulfillment. God, please help me with this problem. And please hear me again. It's good to bring, up, bring our problems to God. But prayer that is not at root concerned with God's glory, God's will, God's reputation, is prayer that is robbed of so much power and potential. Just think for a moment of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught us. What's the very first line of that prayer? It's our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Only once that foundation is laid, does it go on to say, and give us today our daily bread. God's glory, God's reputation comes first. It has to. And until God's glory comes first, our prayers will always be impoverished and lacking in power. Because so often, if we're honest, if I'm honest, we're more jealous for our own reputation and glory than we are for God's glory and reputation. You know, why is it that I, I would feel more provoked by a rude or critical email than I would be when I see God's truth completely disregarded and despised every single day? Why is it that I'm so often praying about personal problems but not that God would change the spiritual temperature of the UK and bring the many friends and family I know who don't know him to know him. I'd submit to you it's because God's reputation is not front and center in our prayers that we do that when it really needs to be. But Moses shows us here how to pray, doesn't he? At the end of verse 10, God even offers to Moses... Um, you know, he's, he basically says halfway through verse 10, hey, I'll actually get rid of these people. No more problems, complaints, grumbling, or pain for you. And even better, I'll fulfill the promise just through you. Sounds like a pretty attractive deal, doesn't it? God offers to make Moses' circumstances immeasurably easier and better. Who wouldn't feel tempted by a test like that? But Moses knows the heart of God and he's so captured by God's reputation over his own reputation that Moses actually turns down an easy life there and then in order that God would be glorified. 
And we know he did that because in Hebrews chapter 11, we're told um, in that, you know, the famous passage about faith that Moses uh, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It goes on to say he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. And then it goes on to say he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. The second step of prayer that moves the hand of God is prayer on the basis of God's reputation, not ours. And maybe the Lord is reminding you today that when you come to pray, don't just bring to him your problems, to bring to him his reputation and his glory above everything. Because when God's reputation and glory is front and center in your prayers, you'll find that more and more and more as you grow in your discipleship and following of Jesus, you'll find yourself praying bigger and bolder prayers. Instead of just praying for solutions to your personal problems, you'll find yourself praying that God's kingdom would come. You'll find yourself praying for your Christian friends and family more often that God would break into their lives. Because you can see it's actually all about Jesus. It's all about his reputation. Now, I started by talking about what we tend to pray for most often, and maybe for some of you, the Lord is saying, you know, you've been thinking, I'm I'm not answering your prayers, when actually, I've not been answering your prayers as you expected, because I'm doing a deeper work in you first, and I'm shaping your prayer life so that my will and my reputation become your one and only desire. Because sometimes God wants to do something in you first, before he does something for you. It reminds me of a time in my early 20s. I started to feel this nagging sense that God was calling me to do something. And so um, I applied to study theology at like a Christian college. And um, I went through this incredibly exciting period of applying and being accepted, resigning from my job, getting ready to go down. It was in many ways a kind of exhilarating mountaintop experience through that summer. But then... Just as I was about to move down uh, to start, I suddenly started to experience these dreadful, crippling panic attacks. Now, for those of you who've never experienced a panic attack, I would never wish a panic attack on my worst enemy. They are absolutely awful, and they're really embarrassing. Like, the first one I had, I genuinely thought I was going to die, and went to the hospital, and then they're like, no, you're fine. So you leave feeling, like, rather stupid. Um, But... um, yeah, it's, it's, it was an incredibly difficult time um, in my life. And I was thinking, well, God, you know, I've, I've, here I am. I've given up my job. I've stepped out of everything I was doing to come and follow you. And now my life is so much harder than it was before. And I wrestled with this for months. I went down there and still did it. And it was an incredible time. But I will never forget being sat on the tube on the Metropolitan Line at the end of myself and praying, begging God really to take away the anxiety that I was struggling with. And I felt the Lord speak to me unmistakably and in a way that I don't think I've, it's probably the most powerful encounter I've had with the Lord. Um, And the words from 2 Corinthians chapter 12 were just popped into my mind so powerfully. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. And 
as I sat there thinking about that, I realized the Lord was saying to me, I'm actually going to use this painful experience to make you useful to me. This is how you're going to help other people, not through your strengths, though that's what we all want. We want God to work through our strengths, but he's not going to do it that way. He'll do it through our weaknesses. And for Moses, it was exactly the same, wasn't it? God worked through his weaknesses and setbacks, not his power and strength when he was in Egypt. You think that surely that's where Moses would have been more useful at the height of his powers, um, of, of political power as you know, Pharaoh's right-hand man. But no, the Lord had a completely different idea of what strength looks like, what real power is. Uh, so much so that even when, an even when a more comfortable and easy option was held right out to him, he said, in effect, if that option brings less glory to you, God, then I'm not interested. So whereas I finish is the Lord calling you to put his glory and his reputation first above everything else that's going on in your life. You know, it may be that you've been praying, as I often do. You know, God, please help me with this situation. God, please get me out of this situation, whatever that is for you. But the Lord is saying, actually, there's something I want to do in you first. And that might mean, therefore, knowing his peace and joy in the midst of trouble. Not because he's got you out of the trouble, but because he's met you in it. It might be that, like Moses, you feel tempted to just completely give up on the people of God. Maybe someone in the church hurt you or said something unkind to you. Or, and the Lord is saying, actually, his reputation is bound up with his people. And if you want more of him, then actually you need to open your heart to his people too. But let, let's take a moment now to pray and to ask the Holy Spirit to come and uh, to ask the Lord to come and be the center of our prayer lives again. Let's take a minute to do that.